praise looks so good. Now you, and I was like, you know, Josh, where are you, Josh? I heard Josh, right? I mean, I thought you were talented. I thought, you know, you did the keyboard, and then you, I saw you on the guitar, and then they tell me that there's not much you can't play. Is that right? That's right. But those dance moves, that's another level. That's another level. That's awesome. I tell you what, you're just setting people free right then. That's awesome. So we're going to pray just in a moment. We're going to say goodbye to the band, but I'm going to need you back later. And, um, but uh, we're going to pray for God to have his way. Because I don't know about you, but if we're going to come to church, we might as well make it significant. We might as well get changed by the Holy Spirit. We might as well have a bit of breakthrough. We might as well see a miracle. We might as well believe for the impossible. What do you think? Holy Spirit, this is your place. You fill every single nook and cranny. You saturate this place with your presence. Let the weight of your glory be so heavy in this place. Lord, we want to meet with you. We want to see you. We want you to speak to us. We want to know who you are more than we've ever known it before. We want to hear what you've got to say. We belong to you, God. Come and have your way in every heart and mind. We put every distraction aside, every circumstance. Lord, we put it under your feet right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up our eyes to the hills. From where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The one whose name is above every name. The one who conquered sin and death. Lord, the one who holds and sustains all things by the power of his word. Lord, we look to you tonight. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, high five some people as you sit down. Thank you, Ben. Well, tonight, tonight, we've got a little bit of time, and what I want to do tonight is I want to encourage some people in this place. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's what the Word of God's for, actually. Encouragement, correction, rebuking, might be a bit of all of that. But what I call this message, um, besides the title, but it's a kind, the kind of message I want to give tonight is the fact is, is the type of word that I would say, this is the way it is. I don't know if you had a parent that would sit you down every now and then and just give you a reality check. Anybody have a parent like that? Anybody got a friend like that, an auntie like that, a grandparent like that? They kind of sit you down and they look you in the eye and you know it's about to get real. And they go, baby, this is the way it is. You see, what are your, whatever you're thinking, whatever your kind of like, you know, little notions of grandeur that you've got going on, whatever, whatever romantic notions of what you think life is, this is the way it is. And it's kind of like a slap in the face. Anybody had a parent like that? My mum was like that. My mum was like that X-Men. You know that one that has to wear the glasses? Because when I take them off, it's like laser. 
That's, that was my mum. She would just laser you with her eyes and go, this is the way it is. So it's kind of one of those messages. Are you, do you feel good about that? Have you got your Bibles? Have you got your Bibles there? Because we are in church after all. Anyone? You got your phones at least? Stop playing games. I give full permission for you to look at your neighbour and they're playing a game to let me know and we're going to name shame <laughs> in this house. Oh, already happening. I love it. I play old woman games like solitaire. That's what I play. But anyway, speaking of that, so yeah, Glenn and I pastor a church. We've been in England now for 22 years, but we pastor a church in Manchester, um, England. Does anybody follow the soccer? In Football, thank you very much. I was trying to be culturally relevant, but of course it is a foot and a ball. Okay, no hands involved. So, um, any Manchester United fans in here? Oh my gosh. Well, I am a Manchester City fan by marriage. It's true. True blue. True blue. Um, but we do have a mixture of United and City supporters in our church. That's right. That's when you know that Jesus is real. That's right. Even on our leadership team, we let them on. It's incredible. And uh, we're not going to talk about the derby because that's irrelevant. Um, but anyway, only your United supporter would know that. Okay, so um, yeah, we've been there and I became a British citizen three years ago. And you'd think we speak the same language. You'd think we would speak the same language, but we don't. We don't speak, the, oh, Australian. Oh, okay, sorry, let's back up. Chilean by descent. My parents are Chilean. So I've got the Latino vibe going on. Also, I was born in Australia. Please don't hold that against me. And then uh, I became British by choice three years ago. And this is why they've got a whole new way. I think British people just take the English language to another level when it comes to understatement. Because you, you have to understand that what people say in England and what they actually mean are two different things. So if a, if a British person looks at you and goes, is that seat taken? You know, in a very nice, soft voice. The translation to that is move your bag because I'm <laughs> gonna sit there. If they say to you, oh, it's a bit wet out there, that actually is translated into our language, you're gonna need a snorkel because it's chucking it down. <laughs> yeah, literally. Or if they politely say, yeah, I might see you later. Might meet you later. That means I'm not leaving my house <laughs> unless it's on fire. <laughs> I mean, you think we speak the same language, but it is an absolute privilege to be part of what God's doing over there. I have to say, we are, we are loving what God is doing and we feel quite grown up being 10 years old now. Feel like we're not the new kids on the block and, uh, and that, uh, you know, we're, we're in a whole new phase of what God is doing in our, in our church. I have to say, it's a joy to be here with our friends, Pastor Sam and Pastor Kathy. Can we put our hands together for incredible pastors? Incredible people make incredible pastors. 
and so I want to honour you. Honour you guys for all the weight that you carry, for the, the, the baton that you are carrying for your generation and for the slipstream that you're creating for others to follow. Can we put our hands together again? Okay, that's enough of that. And uh, I've written a book, just to let you know, it all sold out. Wrote a book about a, um, a thing I went through called chronic sleeplessness. Don't recommend it. <laughs> and uh, in the book, I talk about all the lessons that I learned going through a really challenging time. Um, the most, probably the most powerful thing that I adopted during that time was meditating in God's presence. And can I just say that it's, it's incredible, but the healing power or the restorative power or that, that verse where it says, um, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is the most effective way I know to actually do that, to renew your mind is by meditating in God's presence. And so I wanted to be able to pass on that to others. Um, you can get it online, but also we put together some devotional albums that have minimal lyrics so it helps you focus on God in, in your times with God so that you can hear him speak. And that's also available online. And uh, yes, feel free to uh, get that. Awesome. Now we're going to the Word. Now we're going into Jeremiah. We're going to the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 to 6. Are you ready? This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house. And there I will give you my message. How cool was that song, Seven Years Old? I love that. Who was the, who was the girl that um, did the spoken word? Sophie, great name. That was amazing. So good. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel? Can I not do with you, Equipper, Equipper's Church? Can I not do with you, Sarah, Bob, Matt, Mary? Can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Equipus Church. Now, this is what happens. What happens is, is that we have a moment. I would, I would, I would probably be quite confident in saying that a lot of people in this place, you had a moment where you became aware of who God was. That you had a moment where you discovered Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for you. You encountered the love of God. I also know that there are people in this place that had a growing awareness of who God was. You probably can't look back and think, no, I can't say a day or a moment. It was more of a growing awareness, but that, it doesn't really matter. At some point, we had a moment where we knew that we needed a savior. We encountered the love of God. I was 16 years old. I was in some crappy school hall with um, 10 chairs and um, four other people. 
It was my family and four other people, I think, maybe three. And there was a, a couple from Britain um, who were pioneering their first church, fresh out of Bible college. They had three little children. And they had just finished Bible college and they were in Cronulla in Sydney. And we saw an advert in the paper and my mum dragged us to church. And I remember sat there in this no atmosphere, no atmosphere whatsoever, nothing cool about it. I mean, I thought I wanted to just run out of the place screaming because you had the pastor's wife on guitar. And then you had the pastor, awesome, thinking, you know, he's his first church, you know, he's pioneering and he's off like this. And I'm 16 thinking, these people are crazy. <laughs> but God finds you anywhere. And I heard the gospel, not that I hadn't heard it before, I heard it millions of times before. But this day was different. And I couldn't believe it. And it's like, it's like opening the Christian version. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. God loves me. This is fantastic. I definitely, I definitely want to, I want to, I want to give my life to him. This is fantastic. And I remember giving my life to Jesus and just being, just being exposed to a whole new world. I was like, this is phenomenal. Do you want my brochure? I'll give you my brochure. I've got another one. And I was thinking, this is phenomenal. We've got the love of God. He's died for us. This is fantastic. And what do we go? He will give you rest. I definitely need a rest. This is fabulous. Look, he's going to give us rest. And look, oh my gosh, I will give you the desires of your heart. How awesome is this? This is phenomenal, this Christian thing. This is awesome. Oh my gosh, purpose. Purpose, give me future, hope, good plans. That is amazing. Oh, you're joking. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in me. Are you kidding me? This is phenomenal. And we look at the Christian brochure and we think this is, we definitely need to go to this place. We talk to our family, are you kidding me? This is, this is brilliant. We need, to, we need to go here. This is phenomenal. Look at all of this stuff. This is fantastic. What I'm going to tell you is not in the brochure. Have you ever been to a place on the basis of a brochure? And thought, <laughs> panoramic views, the brochure said, <laughs> but only if you're hanging off the balcony. <laughs> Gourmet food, the brochure said. Sometimes brochures are kind to the venues that we go to. But sometimes it feels like that the Christian walk can be a little bit like that. Let me tell you, let me track your Christian walk for a moment. You give your life to God. You encounter the love of God. This is incredible. This is fantastic. God, you love me. You give me a brand new life. This is fantastic. I am just so overwhelmed that you would die for me. This is amazing. And then all of a sudden, you're in this brand new relationship with God and you've given your life to Him. It's a whole new, new adventure. And before you know it, God starts speaking to you. He starts speaking to you about your life. He starts speaking to you about who you are. 
He starts speaking to you about your future. He might give you a little bit of a vision of what your life could be about. And it looks so big. It looks so crazy. It looks so impossible. You're like, really? God? Me? Could I really be doing this? Are you sure you've got the right person? Anybody in this place? Ever had a conversation with God? You've got the wrong person. It's not me. But then you're like, well, what do I know? You're God. Okay, I'm going to trust you. And we have this whole kind of thing where we're learning to trust God. And then we start to learn about the Bible. And we start to learn about this God life that, he, that he, he's got for us. And so we start learning how to pray. And then we start learning how to worship. And we start learning how to praise. And we start learning how to forgive. And we start learning how to do church and how to serve and be on team. And we get into our e-groups. And then we're doing our e-groups. And then all of a sudden, you're like, hmm, okay. I kind of see how this is going. You get a little bit more confident. You get a little bit more confident. And instead of kind of like working it out, you know, now you're strutting. You're strutting around. You've got your e-group going on. And then suddenly your pastor comes up to you and said, do you think you could lead an e-group? And you're like, yeah, of course. And then it feels like suddenly you see these opportunities. People are starting to ask you to do stuff. And you're just like, yes, this is what I saw when God spoke to me all that time ago. And I'm like, yes, now I'm starting to live in the God dream. I'm starting to live in this kind of, you know, amazing place. And then all of a sudden, it goes all dark. And then you're like, what just happened here? Where did... Where did everybody go? <laughs> what just happened to the God dream? What happened to the opportunity? What, what just happened? You see, I'm not talking about a bad day. I'm not just talking about, you know, when you're here, you just can't get your hair to do what it wants, you're just doing what it, whatever it wants to do. I'm not talking about that kind of bad, bad day. I'm not talking about the day when you're just having a little fight with your, your spouse, you come to church, you've had a little bit of an argument, you're walking in, Everything's fine. Praise the Lord. I'm not talking about that kind of hard, bad day. I'm not talking about your kids are messing around. I'm not talking about when nothing seems, maybe you've missed a payment on a bill. I'm not talking. I'm talking about that there are moments in our life, in our Christian walk, where we will say at one point or another, what has just happened to my life? You see, I thought I knew what God had said, but now I don't know. You see, I thought I knew who I was, but now I don't know. You see, I don't know whether I'm Arthur or Martha. I don't know whether I'm coming or going. I don't know where, you know, what is up and what is down. Everything seems to be messed up. You see, I thought I knew who I was. I thought I knew what my talents were. I thought I knew what my strengths were. I thought I knew what I brought to the table. You see, I could understand what I brought to the table because I know kind of, you know, what what my strengths are. But now it feels like everything has been taken away from me and I don't know what has happened, what has happened to my life. You see, this is the stuff that they don't put in the brochure. You're like, God, did I really hear you? God, are you really there? God, do you really love me? You see, because I don't really understand what is going on? And I would say that in those moments when everything goes dark, when everything is stripped away, when everything is gone, when everything goes very, very quiet, I would say it feels like goo. It's like I thought I knew who I was, 
But now, it just feels like goo. It feels like nothing. Can I just say, nobody likes goo. <laughs> nobody likes goo. I hate goo. I mean, what is it? It's like... The only people who like goo are kids. Because you can stick it in each other's hair. And that's funny. But nobody likes goo. It's got no shape. Although I'm having an awesome time right now. I mean, what is it? Like, literally. What does it do? It's, it's, it's basically useless. I mean, it's like the stuff that collects at the bottom of the shower. You know, shower goo. You know that shower goo? That you kind of, you know, you're kind of standing on the drain going, go down. But it gets to the point where it, the water's just not going down. And you know, at some point, you're going to have to stick your hand down there and get that goo out. I hate shower goo. It's the only reason, people, I got married. Because I needed somebody to get the shower goo. And you know what? I love that man. And then there's that mascara goo that collects in the corner of your eye. Can I just say, nobody likes goo. You got mascara goo, you need to sort yourself out. Or get a mate that's going to tell you the truth. You need a tissue. But sometimes it feels like goo. Nobody likes goo. It's like, what is it? It's like you've lost your shape. It's like it's useless. But can I just say that if you are somebody that God is going to use, then... If you're not in goo, or you've never been in goo, get ready, because goo is coming. <laughs> I told you, there's a message that's going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how it is. Goo is coming. And let me just prove it to you. Let's go, do you remember Gideon? Let's go to the Old Testament. And we've got Gideon, and he's hiding in the wine press. And if you were here this morning, guess what? The Midianites have invaded those people. They're back again. And they're oppressing the Israelites. And Gideon is hiding in a wine press and he is doing his thing, threshing wheat or something. And the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, Arise, almighty warrior. And he's like, And the angel's like, arise, almighty warrior. And, and Gideon is like us when God speaks to us about who we are. He's like, mm, you got the wrong person. He's like, no, I am the least of 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 my family. Let me educate you, God. Because obviously you don't know who you're dealing with. Let me educate you on who I am. Let me educate you on, on what I'm about. What I love about this is that God doesn't seem to uh, engage in conversation. <laughs> he just ignores him completely. And he says, oh, you're going to deliver your people from the Midianites. 
And Gideon's like, you know, he's, he's now going, oh, okay, um, how's this going to happen? You know, and he kind of like says, all right, well, how's this going to happen? And God says, go in, in the strength that you have. I don't know if you know this, the story, but Gideon, he's like, okay, I'm going to trust you. Go in the strength that you have. And he says, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to get my mates. So he gathers 32,000 mates. And he's like, guys, we're going to go against the Midianites, okay? And the historians say that the Midianites were about 15,000 people. That's what they reckon. So I'm thinking, good odds. 32,000 people, 15,000 people, good odds. And so, yeah, we're going to go against the Midianites. Woohoo! With God's promised. All right, God, yeah. Okay, let's go. And God says to him, you've got too many men. Now, I don't know much about Warcraft or, or you know, but I'm thinking too many men is not a thing, right? <laughs> like, how do you have too many men? I'm thinking too many men is good, but God doesn't seem to think so. He says, tell the people that are afraid to go home. Um, guys go get the Midianites, come on. But if you, if, you, if you don't want to, if you're scared, you can go home. 22,000 men go home. He's left with 10,000 men. I'm thinking at what point does Gideon say, look God, this was not in the brochure. <laughs> but he's like, 10,000, okay, we can do it, we can do it. And then God says to him, Gideon, too many men. Too many men. How is that even possible? He says that everybody who goes to the river and sticks their head in the water to drink, instead of lapping it with their hands, tell them to go home. He's left with 300 men against 15,000 or so. At what point does Gideon say, look, God, this was, this was, what are you saying? You told me to go in the strength that I have. And then you've done the very thing and taken my strength away. I would suggest that Gideon was in guilt. Not only that, but let's go back to Genesis around uh, the 30 mark where we've got a young guy called Joseph. And Joseph is the youngest brother of all of his, um, of all his, all of his other brothers, and uh, he's the favorite. He's the favorite in the family, and you know what? He's got a coat to prove it. He's got a coat in many colors. And he's strutting around his brothers as they're working hard, and they all know that he's the favorite, so he's not very popular. And guess what? God gives him a dream. And God gives him a dream, and the dream is, basically, your brother's going to bow down to you one day. Well, Joseph is so excited, and he thinks, my brothers must be just excited as I am to hear this. <laughs> you know, he goes to his brothers, guess what? God has just spoken to me, and one day, you guys are all going to bow to me. How do you feel about it? Well, you can shock horror, they're not happy. 
and they hate him even more. But God is not satisfied. No, he needs to give Joseph another dream. And jo go Joseph gets a second dream, but not only, this, this is a little bit different because not only are his brothers going to bow down to him, his mum and dad as well. So he thinks they, they're going to be so excited to hear about this. So he goes to the dinner table. Now, you know, I don't know if you're the youngest in this place. Will you give me a wave if you were the youngest? I know, life was hard, right? <laughs> life was really hard. Because by the time your parents got to you, they were so relaxed. You could get away with anything. I mean, I'm just thinking that these brothers thought we have had to work hard and all our parents were really strict and with Joseph, he's getting away with everything. He doesn't have to work. We hate him, hate him, hate him because he's the youngest and everything's so easy for him. So imagine that snotty little kid coming to the dinner table and going, I've got something to share. <laughs> you guys, God has told me that you one day contain your excitement. <laughs> one day you are all going to bow to me. How do you think that went down? Well, the next thing we know, Joseph is in a pit. Joseph is in a pit and his brothers are up, up there somewhere conspiring on how they're going to kill him. Oh yeah, that shiny little jacket with many colors, gone. And I reckon he's probably in the pit going, ha, 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 this is really funny. Where are you? What's going on? This is funny. Can, can I get out now? And his brothers are going, where's your dream now, Joseph? They don't kill him, they sell him into slavery. And they tell his father that he died. So he's now a slave. He used to be the favored son and now he's a slave. At what point does he say to God, this was not in the brochure. I mean, I had a dream, this was not in it. And I reckon, do you reckon Joseph at any point, like when he's in Potiphar's house, thought, well, can't get any worse. Do you reckon? I reckon it probably did. No, I can't get any worse, but it did. Then he gets falsely accused and thrown into prison. And nobody's coming for him. Nobody cares. Nobody knows he's there. Nobody that, that is his family even knows where he is. He is left into prison to rot. And I'm just thinking, I think Joseph would have felt like he was invisible. I'm talking about when you feel that you are further away from the promise God gave you than when you started. It is so far away, it is beyond reach. And you say to yourself, what just happened to my life? And the same thing can happen to us. But what does God say about these, these situations? This is what he says. He went to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot that he was shaping from clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, as it seemed best to him. 
can I not do with you? Can I not do with you what the potter does? Would you consider with me the caterpillar? Just think about the caterpillar. The caterpillar is born as a little blob. He's born as a little blob on a leaf. And then the creator of the little caterpillars comes to him and says, you were chosen, arise, because you are going to be used by me. And the little caterpillar is like, what, me, little me, little blobby me? And then he starts thinking, okay, I'm going to learn. And so he starts learning and starts eating and starts eating and starts eating. And he starts getting bigger and bigger. And he starts to learn to trust God. And he starts to learn to read his Bible. And he starts to pray. And then he starts to worship God. And he starts to praise. And he starts to eat and eat and eat. And he gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden, hey, look at these legs. Look at these stripes. Look at me. And then all of a sudden, oh, he gets a swag going on. And there's like, he's going to Caterpillar Church, Caterpillar E-Group, and then his Caterpillar pastor says, hey, Caterpillar, you want to run a group? And he says, yeah, I can do that. You know why? Because God has spoken to me, and I've got a destiny, and I've got purpose. And he starts teaching all the Caterpillars. He's teaching all the Caterpillars how to be a mighty Caterpillar for Jesus, how to be a good Caterpillar. He does doing his spiritual disciplines, and then all of a sudden, he's getting so good, he writes a book about caterpillarness. <laughs> oh, yeah, writes a book about caterpillarness, and now he's got his bachelor's in caterpillarness, and then he gets his master's in caterpillarness, and now everybody's shouting his name. Everybody's liking his Instagrams. Everybody's on the Facebook. Everybody's listening to his caterpillar messages, and everybody's saying, Shannon, you're amazing. Has anybody written your book? Read this book. He's amazing. This caterpillar is amazing. And now he's got his PhD caterpillarness, and he is now an awesome caterpillar. <laughs> people calling him, people wanting him, people saying, You're amazing. Caterpillar. And he's thinking, I am the man caterpillar. I'm the woman caterpillar. This is what God spoke. And then it all gets very dark. It all gets very dark. And it's like, no one's calling me. Nobody's liking my Instagrams. Where's the crowd now? Where are all the cheers? Nobody's reading my books. Nobody's calling my name. It's all very dark, very, very, very dark and very quiet. Except for the, the screams, the silent screams of me saying, this is not fair. What happens? You see, I used to think that butterflies were caterpillars that went into the little sleeping bag and they just sort of sprouted wings and then <laughs> butterfly. But that's not what happens. You see, when they go into the chrysalis and when they go into the cocoon, they dissolve and they become caterpillar goo. And when that caterpillar goo, something brand new takes place. You see, 
Sometimes we think that God came to improve our lives, that he came to extend our lives, almost like we're a house and we're going to build an extension. We're going to move to the back and we're going to increase your capacity. We're going to go up into the roof. We're going to go, you know, to the right. We're going to go to the left. We're going to go to the back and we're going to add all these rooms. God didn't come to improve your life. Or perhaps we think that he's come to make us a Christian version of what we were. That all of a sudden we don't, you know, cheat, we don't swear, we don't, you know, sleep around, we don't do these things because we're Christian now. But God didn't come to improve us or to make us a better version of what we used to be. You have to understand something, God came to make you brand new. Brand new. Stay with the caterpillar. He is now nothing. He is now have no shape. Now he has no use. Now he is absolutely of no purpose to anything. But something is taking place in the dark. Something is taking place. Life is taking place. And what is happening is that something brand new is being formed. And I want to tell you something. That you weren't born to be a caterpillar. You were born to be this butterfly that defies gravity. You see, the caterpillar only knows the leaf that it was born on. But God comes to the caterpillar with dreams of flight. And the caterpillar thinks he understands because he might get those wings that you get at kids' parties. You know, the, the, uh, the, the, the fairy wings. And he'd be like, look, look at my wings, flying for Jesus. You know? Caterpillar has no concept of flight. He thinks he does, but he doesn't. What has to happen is that he has to completely dissolve. He has to completely lose his shape. He has to completely lose his identity. He has to completely um, lose who he is. He has to lose himself. He has to lose what he thought his strengths were. He has to lose what he thought he brought to the table. He has to lose himself to be reformed into this new shape of what God actually has for him. You see, you think you know what God has called you to. You have no idea. You think you know who you are. You don't know who you are. You don't even know what you're capable of because God is. What does God do? He takes the goo, he takes the clay, he forms it into a shape. The potter knows what he's got in, in store for this pot. He knows what he's gonna carry. He knows what it's going to do. He understands its purpose, but something's not quite right. So what does he do? breaks the pot and he starts again for the caterpillar it will happen once in its life but for the Christian it happens many times <laughs> I just want to say to you that sometimes we fight goo and we think that this is Satan this is the devil we shout at the goo we shout we blame everybody else we blame circumstances we blame our spouse we blame our pastor we blame our past 
We blame our parents. We blame every single person because life isn't fair and it's not, it's not working out the way that I thought it would. But can I just say that in the hands of the potter, goo is good. Goo is good because he is dismantling who you are. He's dismantling what you think you bring because you're more than that. And you don't know, you don't have anything to do in that thing. You feel useless in the chrysalis, but can I tell you, there is one thing to do. That is surrender. Surrender, surrender your dreams, surrender your expectations, surrender it all. Because it's in the goo that your dreams stop being the prize and that he becomes the prize. Goo is good. Find him in the goo. And just realize it's because he's not done with you yet. When I came to England 22 years ago, I thought I was, I was excited about the promises that God had made. I was so excited about being part of God's plan for that, that great nation. I walked out of the plane and straight into goo. And I didn't understand what was going on. And I fought and I kicked and I screamed the whole way. That's why I want to tell you, this is the way it is. If God's trying to kill you, die quickly. Take it from me. There's no point. Surrender. Trust Him. Give up who you think you are and what your life should look like. Give it up. He's got a much better plan. It will look nothing like you thought it would, but it will be better. I just want to finish. I want you to notice something. When Joseph got his dream, he saw his brothers bowing down to him, his mum and dad bowing down to him. What actually happened was is that he, he saved a nation from starvation. He was, his purpose was to save a nation, not just the nation of Egypt, but he saved his own nation. That was not in the dream. His dream was a moment, a moment. You think you know what God's called you to, you've got no idea. He's only showing you a moment. All you need to do is surrender. All you need to do is put your, your life in the potter's hands and say, you are the prize here. Whatever it looks like, whatever you want me to do, I don't have any more expectations. I don't have any more ideas of how this is going to work. I surrender to you afresh. Can I encourage you? If you're in goo, surrender to God tonight. And if you're not, goo is coming.